Welcome, everybody, to your third favorite Dolphins podcast. I'm your one of your hosts, Haggy, with uh, my other host, Taylor. Third favorite, huh? Yeah, you know, the Inches is probably their number one, and then, you know, they probably like PFNs or whatever also. So. Locked on fins or... Yeah, like probably three. locked on fins. So maybe we're not even top five. No, nah, we're 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 definitely number three behind inches, and we'll just either fin side or locked on. You know, kind of depends on the person. <laughs> Nobody likes three yards, so. <laughs> okay. <laughs> gotcha. You know, Perfectville no. kind of follows us, and then we got the into hunt people. So. Oh man. Too many Dolphins podcasts to keep track. That's yeah, all no. we talk about. You know, like food. Midwest. Yep. Which means that we don't yeah, have to take ourselves seriously, which is pretty fun. So, Indeed, we do not. Did you have a nice Christmas, Haggy? It wasn't bad. Got a lot of cleaning done. I liked it. A lot of cleaning. That's a good gift to yourself. Oh, yeah. And, uh... By the way, Ryan Reynolds, he is a genius for buying aviation gin. Let me tell you. Oh. Like that stuff is so good. If you're a gin drinker, that is. Yeah. Gin and juice, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I was making some nice gin and tonics. It's a good there day. You go. I'm a fan. Yeah. I, don't yeah, think, I don't actually drink any alcohol on Christmas. I'm kind of disappointed now that I think about it. Uh, that's not a bad thing at all, honestly. I mean, if you're spending time with your family and whatnot, then maybe alcohol is not a good spot for that. You know, I guess it depends on the family. Yeah, drunk Santa, right? Bad Santa yeah. stuff. Uh, did you? What did you do for your Christmas meal? Did you have anything awesome for that? No, didn't do anything special. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what I did. So, for the last. 26 years of my life we would always have thanksgiving dinner at my grandparents house and then my grandpa would freeze all the leftover turkey and then for christmas eve he would make a homemade turkey noodle soup and it was amazing it's the greatest thing ever um obviously my grandpa's not around anymore and he never wrote down his recipe so it's gonna be really hard to duplicate if i ever try but this year we wanted to do something a little different just because not, not saying like we don't want the traditions to carry on, but it doesn't mean that we can't create new ones. Uh, right. But another thing my grandpa used to always do was make homemade pizza. And it was never just, a, you know, like it wasn't a holiday thing. It was just a thing that he did, homemade pizza. So what we did this year is we went and bought a bunch of pizza stuff, you know, like crust and sauce and basically like every kind of topping you can imagine. And we made individual homemade pizzas for everybody. So people could just come into the kitchen. They would decorate their pizza i would throw it in on the pizza stone and then you know everybody had their own individual homemade pizza and it was actually pretty awesome that that sounds actually really awesome really cool just got a quick question for you on that one go ahead so like when you decorated your pizza like how much uh soy sauce did you add to it uh nothing actually no soy sauce on pizza they're not synonymous pizza and spaghetti aren't the same yeah, it is pretty weird. I figured you'd desecrate any sort of Italian food. <laughs> oh. No, this is American-made pizza. 
Gotcha. I will tell you that making dough, making pizza dough is actually pretty difficult. I've done it before, but I don't remember it being as hard um, to actually like be successful at it. Um, it took me a couple tries to actually get the dough down to a point where I could spread it out. Because you mm-hmm. can't like roll it. If you roll it out, it just kind of shrinks back. So that's why they actually like toss the pizza dough. That's the only way you can get it to spread out. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult when you're just trying to make like little, you know, six inch circular pizzas for everybody. Right. Then you got to play a game of uh, ultimate pizza frisbee in order to get it to work right. <laughs> you ever played ultimate frisbee? Of course. It's a very popular game out in the Midwest. It's a true statement. So I played ultimate frisbee for like, I bet six summers in a row. Nice. I wasn't very fast, so I didn't play a runner, but I, I threw, I was a pretty good at throwing. So, I mean, like I was a thrower on the field. I'd usually do every other series just because I wasn't very good at defense either. Right. But I think, yeah. so when you played, do you remember like what score you went to? Um, or if you would play as a time limit? It was so the summer league that I played in. So I didn't play last year because um, just my location. I uh, I went somewhere for work, but uh, the year before it was, I think we played to fifteen, but there was a time limit attached to it also. Okay. So it was like first to fifteen, or who has the highest score whenever time's up, and. Uh, We'd keep track with shoes, which is what? really fun. Yeah, so we'd put a we'd put a disc on the sideline, and uh, if you if you scored, you put a shoe down right vertically, and that's a point. And there'd be shoes on either side, and then uh, whenever you got to five points, you'd take all those shoes off and put one horizontally. Oh, okay. So that's how, and that's how we kept score because everyone would wear cleats, but you know we wouldn't want to show up in cleats because walking on the asphalt and sidewalk and whatnot. Yeah, it's pretty difficult. But yeah, personally, I've I've never been much of a handler because uh, so when I play frisbee golf, I'm really good at flicking it, but when I yeah. play ultimate, I can't flick worth to save my life. It always sails off randomly. So. Um, so I was always a cutter, and uh, my roommate was also was one of the team captains in the league uh, for the two years that I played in this particular summer league. And the first year, I ended up being the last pick of the draft, just out of chance, because no one knew who I was. I didn't really yeah. like try to oversell myself. I actually tried to undersell myself quite a bit, and because uh, I hadn't played since high school at that point. And then uh, the next year, there's there's people that were going to draft me earlier. But he's like, no, no, guys, you have to draft him last. Because he thought it would be, and I actually thought it was kind of funny, too, for me to be Mr. Relevant two years in a row. Nice. And if I was going to play last year, he was going to do it again. But like I said, I wasn't going to be in town, so I had to not play. But it's a pretty good time overall. We have a very good Mr. Irrelevant on our podcast. I like it. Yep. So just to 
I guess maybe educate those who don't know the Midwestern sporthood, where we don't actually have time to play, you know, normal sports because of snow and wind, and rain, and other things like that. Um, we play this game called Ultimate Frisbee, and basically it's like handball on a field. You throw a frisbee around, if the frisbee touches the ground, it's a turnover, so you rotate. Um, there's two positions. There's cutters and handlers or throwers and runners, however you want to take it. But basically one set of people throw the Frisbee, the other set of people catch the Frisbee, and you just kind of hand it off. So um, I do miss playing. It's pretty fun. It's a good time. Yeah, and I actually uh, – I was wearing a Dolphins hat the last time I was playing, and uh, this one guy, uh, I was like, listen, just throw it up to me in the corner, and I got it. And we were making a – we were like – I was like, and it was a throwback hat, back hat. So I was like, it's like, come on, it'd be like Marino and Duper. The guy was like an older guy who actually had watched him play. So he's like, all right, I got you. And he just bombed it up, and sure enough, worked worked like a charm. Haggy's got hops. Uh, no, I, I do not have hops. <laughs> uh, it just he threw it, and I made and I made a good cut. I was. Uh, it wasn't like Ocho Cinco level footwork, but I mean, it was good route running. Go. Totally faked the guy out. So yeah. So, um, Haggy also mentioned earlier about flicking. Flick is when you throw it forehand, so with your wrist facing forward. Normal people throw frisbee backhand, which is like a standard frisbee. You can also throw a forehand or a flick. There's also like five different other types of throws you can do. Chicken wing is like a backhand forehand combo which doesn't really work in any situation and then my personal favorite and this is probably the one i can throw the farthest is a is a hammer throw you actually yes. throw the frisbee over over top like a baseball and then if you throw the if you flick the frisbee at the right angle it'll actually flip upside down and then just kind of hover and fall almost straight down depending on how far you throw it and depending so, on wind yeah uh, if it's windy, the hammer throw never works. So it's got to be a clear day to make it work. But you can you can give it at a really good angle and you can get it to drop in, you know, basically like a football. Whereas if you backhand or forehand, the frisbee will carry. So it's kind of a it's it's an additional touch pass that you can have. It's a trick shot, and then some leagues, it's like if uh, if someone hammers it up to you, you got to put your hand on your hip before you can catch it. Or there's it's that's just like a almost like a house rules type thing, but yeah, I've never heard of that rule before. Yeah, it's it's something our league did is like you had to catch it like one handed with one your one of your hands <laughs> on your hip. It's is it because there's like an advantage to it because you know it's a more accurate throw or nah, that's just a just for funsies thing. Oh, okay. Just like um, I can't remember what it's called, but like there's a there's a move that like you you dive for the frisbee when it's going out of bounds and if you catch it and you can throw it back in before you hit the ground there's something that you do with that too it's like a an andy or something it's named after a dude who used to do it like okay so think about the nfl players that go to down a punt where like the ball's going into the end zone and they jump and then they catch the ball and then they throw it back into the play the field of play Yep. They'll they'll do that except with the frisbee out of bounds. And yeah. uh it's it's pretty awesome when it's successful. 
Yeah, I've never been successful at it, though. I got close once, but, like, my toe tapped. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you got to be a completely in the... Yep. I'm not that I'm not that nimble yet. We'll see. Like I guess it'll depend on where I end up with whatever new job I end up getting up if I play again, but I think it'd also be fun to join a soccer league. Oh. Yeah. Have you ever played soccer. World Cup? World Cup. Yeah. Oh. Alright. So World Cup is there's um you got a group of your friends and I played this with a lot of Mormons. It was a lot of fun. Um and depending on how many people there are, depend on if you're like on a team of one or on a team of two. But like everyone will choose a country and then there'll be an all time goalkeeper and uh you'll have to you try and score a goal, but when you like make your shot, it's like a free for all style. And when you make your shot you have to yell your country name. And if you make it in, then you guys get to, like, leave the free-for-all. And then you go down until, like, there's a certain amount of whatever you decide if you're going to do single elimination or double elimination. And uh, whenever you get down to that point, like, those teams are eliminated (laughs) from the World Cup. And then everyone comes back in and you do it again until you get your first place team, which is, you know, you get your, like, last two or three teams. And then whoever gets it in first wins the World Cup. Yeah, so, and then, um, so if you, and then if you just kick the ball in without saying your, your country name, then you'll, then it, that shot doesn't count and the goalkeeper will just throw the ball back out. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. So what, how do you, how do you win when you're the last person standing or? Well, It'll it'll be they'll be deemed a final round when you've eliminated enough people, so it's only two or three teams left, and then whoever scores first out of those two or three teams is the winner of the World Cup, and then you know silver and bronze from there on. Okay, I got you. So like it. So there's a lot of people pick like uh, short country names, you know, like one syllable, or those people that pick like. Four syllable countries, so they can do like a battle cry while they score. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, no, you just you choose whatever like strikes your fancy. Really, I mean, like, um, I don't think anyone chose Team USA last time I played. Um, I think I was Team Argentina, and then there's this one like uh, group of girls that were Saudi Arabia. This one chose Saudi Arabia, and like just kick it whenever i was like the goalkeeper i was just like i was like dodging because you know you get the you see the look in the eye of like yeah of just you know craziness and then you just fear for your life or check a stand <laughs> yeah i mean you can whatever country you want pretty much um and obviously you probably don't want to use vulgar made-up names if you're playing with mormons like i used to but um Vulgar Mormon names? No, no, no. Vulgar made-up names if you're playing with Mormons. Like... Oh. Like, uh, like if you were to do a Beer Olympics, then you'd make... Like, when I hosted mine, there was a country that was Asklapistan. Like, you probably don't want to do that when you're <laughs> with Mormons, but... <laughs> Clapistan. I like it. <laughs> Asklapistan. <laughs> yeah. I think 
they weren't the winners, I don't think. I think the the winners was uh, the Democratic People's Republic of Penistan, like as the pasta, and they had like all these pasta funds, like they said they were pastafarians as their national religion and clever. It was good. Oh, it was they had a whole thing. It was pretty funny. I like it. Yeah, they won by one medal. There you go. Yeah. Speaking of clapping cheeks and winning games, can you believe that the Miami Dolphins almost lost to the Bengals? Like, does that genuinely surprise you, or are you uh, are you enough no expectations gang gang to just understand that you know that's just how it is? Honestly, it was a bit of a disappointment for me. You like, I'm glad we won. No, 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 I'm glad they won. I'm glad Miami won, but like. The way that the whole that the game went down, I'm disappointed it even got to overtime. Like, like it just raises more questions for me about Brian Flores. Unanswered in the fourth quarter. Yeah, from the Bengals. Like, have you been able? Have you ever understood how some teams dominate in the first half and then, like, can't succeed in the second half? I mean, I think that's kind of what you're getting at. But, like, think about all these guys that have, you know, phenomenal first halves. Have you ever seen a quarterback, you know, go, here's three and a half touchdowns or three, you know, three to four touchdowns in the first half like Ryan Fitzpatrick did, and then the second half they just garbage. Or, you know, it doesn't seem to me like quarterbacks that start off hot also finish hot. That's not common enough in the NFL, I don't think. Well, see, I feel like a lot of it is um, it's strategy, right? So – if you're a team like, say, the Atlanta Falcons in the Super Bowl that gets up like 28 points in the first half, right, then a lot of times they're not like, we're going to keep the pedal to the metal and keep grinding through, right, and keep putting up points just in case the other team – because I feel like a lot of teams don't have the mindset of if we can score 28 points in the first half, they can score it in the second half. You know what I mean? Right. So what I – feel ends up happening is a lot of teams will be like, all right, so now we're going to go into our conservative. We're going to run the ball more. We're going to try and grind out the clock instead of, Hey, let's just keep attacking them, which is what um, we usually did whenever I was coaching the middle school football this past year. But like a thing, the thing about in addition to that is right. Even if it's like more of a close game, right. Is the teams get a chance at that point to take a breather to say, okay, this is what they're doing. This is how we're going to counterpunch that, right? And the teams that are ahead are sometimes like, this is what they're doing. And this is like, it's it's a it's a chess thing. You know what I mean? It's like, hey, this is what we expect them to do in response to this. So we should hit them with this, right? So really, it's all how strategic are you as a coach? And I feel like, um, I feel like, our coaching staff has not been able to respond strategically hardly at all this this season. And, like, there's a lot of, like, talk that, oh, he's a great coach because he gets his players all fired up or whatever, except when he doesn't, like, when we were playing against the Bills the second time. Um, <laughs> and then also, like, you can't even – I don't even really think that's a measure of a good coach. Like, I think a measure of a good coach – I mean, well, okay, that's part of it. But also part of it is, like, player development and strategy. I think you need all three to be a successful coach, and I think that's why 
um, Bill Belichick has been so successful in our division was because he has all three of that were, and I, and I'm willing to give Flores some time to learn, but what he's shown us so far just hasn't really inspired that sort of confidence in me. And I'll, I'll have like a whole, like one of these episodes that we do, I'll actually like sit down and I'll like lay it all out. But like, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And I kind of went on an entirely side rant there. But, no, you're good. I think that's exactly what I was trying to get at with the question. So oh, cool. I think that that's probably my main concern too, is I don't feel like Brian Flores has done enough to sell me as, you know, like this is the guy that's part of our future. So I think you can almost say the same thing with Greer, right? So at the beginning of the season, when he was first like selling the farm, you know, like we're going to get rid of Tunsil. We're going to get rid of Minka. Everybody's like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great because the Texans and the Steelers are going to suck ass. And both of them are going to be in the playoffs, you know. So all these people were so excited. You know, like, yeah, we might have three top 15 picks because this trade was so great. Clearly, that worked out wonderfully for us, right? So, <laughs> And honestly, uh, like, I don't I don't blame Greer for those trades. Um, so... Obviously, with the haul that we got for Tunsil was pretty great. Um, I think a better coaching staff would have been able to like keep Fitzpatrick happy. And I understand like like his thing was like I don't want to play all these different positions and all that stuff. Like I'm not comfortable. I'm not learning it fast enough. Is what it seemed like. Um, yeah. Because he's obviously talented. Because he's reckoning in Pittsburgh as only a free safety. But he's got like um, six interceptions or something, right? Two picks. He's sixes. got a couple pick sixes, yeah. And um, but my and then like it's and I think it's on some of the stuff is on the coaching, some of these personnel decisions like that. And I think um, Drake, like I think Fourth and Inches um, touched on this too. <laughs> um, like I also tweeted on it. Right, with Kenyon Drake being like, hey, like, uh, why would you want to even stay, like, and re-sign when you're not even getting playing time, when you're clearly the best running back on the on the team? Yeah. What they, like, talking just, well, I think what Fourth and Inches are talking about, too, was, like, Adam Gase had Jay Ajayi, Damian Williams, and Kenyon Drake on the team at the same time, and didn't yeah. use any of them. But, you know, look at look at this season, right, we had... Mark Walton, Kalen Balaj, and Kenyon Drake all on the team at the same time. And Kalen Balaj wasn't getting any of the carries. Well, or, I mean, Kalen Balaj was getting, Kalen, yeah. getting all the carriers, but Kenyon Drake wasn't. Sorry, I don't know why I messed that up. But, yeah, I wouldn't want to play for a team that's not giving me play time when I'm clearly the best player on the squad. No, it just doesn't make yeah. sense to me. Yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I could see him. That's the exact reason probably why he's like, yeah, fuck you guys. I'm just going to go do my thing and now he's wrecking in Arizona so yeah I think that's part of the thing that I look for in a coach though too so we talk about like getting them pumped to play for strategy coaching decisions things like that but can a coach legitimately build their team and their game plan around players that they know are going to be successful right so I think that there's a little bit there you know, obviously, Devontae Parker just passed 1,000 yards for the season. You know, I think between him and Fitzpatrick, that's a really good combo. And that has something to do with the coaching staff actually, like, utilizing that. So how come, you 
know, this was never a thing before, you know, it's like what coaching staff was like, yeah, Devontae Parker can't do this. But at the same time, you know, he's probably matured as a player. And a lot of people were like, Hey man, like you have all this potential in the world and you're not capitalizing on it. So what do we need to do to get you to that point? And maybe they finally figured it out after however many years. Right. And I think, um, and I think, and I will give this coaching staff as a whole credit for Devonte Parker's development, Mike Kosicki's development, because he's also coming on strong too. Um, so there's definitely like some talent in the player development section, but you're right. Like the utilization of talent also needs to like kind of go up in some areas, but then like you said, like they're doing good in the Devonte Parker area or Devonte Parker area of like using people. So it's really just kind of a crapshoot of trying to figure people out. And I, I'm again, willing to give them a little bit of time on that um, to kind of figure that out. But like, I don't know. It's kind of on the hot seat for me. Not like. Not ready to fire him, but not ready to be. All I'm in. not enamored at all. I'm a, uh, I'm a three year guy. I think that's part of, you know, I think that's been a philosophy of mine all the time. You know, obviously I'm a you know, big supporter of the no expectations gang gang. So Ryan Flores doesn't disappoint me because I didn't have any expectations for him. But I think that every person or player or coach deserves at least three years in some form or system to be able to get a read on there. So that's kind of the reason why I never felt like Tannehill was given a fair chance because he was never really like in a system or on a team for like three years. Yeah, we waited seven years or whatever. But in that same time, you know, like he bounced around a lot with whatever their game plans or styles or coaches, his staff, you know, like his supporting players. There's just so much to it. So I think that Brian Flores deserves a minimum of three years to show us what he's capable of. And if we don't see any improvement in those three years, then he's out. Now, if there was like a really big distinction where like this player is not going to work here at all, period, one season and done, I get that. But at the same time, there needs to be a little bit more of a learning curve than just one. Sure. But at the same time, I feel like you could kind of say the same thing with some coaches. Like I think in or in Cleveland, I think you could say that with Freddie Kitches is that they kind of need to be one and done. Well, and I but think that's I'm, the case. We saw it with Cam Cameron. Right. And because of that with Cam Cameron, like the distinction between Kitchens, Cam Cameron, and Flores is that Flores doesn't have a, any sort of talent on his team, I feel like. Well, I mean, obviously yeah. there's some talent, but it, like it's been stripped of most of it. So I saw like a thing that like the salary of the players on the Dolphins this season is like under $70 million. That's which is super 40, well. million, 40 million less than the next lowest team. And I don't know if that's exactly true, but I think it's pretty close. If I you can guys see can, that. We don't really prepare for this podcast, but I think next <laughs> time I'll have to do a little bit more research. I wanted to do a bit for on sure. draft position, but I'll wait on that one. Sounds good. I look forward to that one. I'm pretty excited because... so. As of right now, the Dolphins are slated at draft number five. Do you know how many Pro Bowl players have been drafted at five versus Pro Bowl players drafted at number one? No idea. Well, let me let me tell you this. The last the most recent number one overall pick 
probably has no chance of being a Pro Bowler anytime soon. Kyler Murray. But I, I wouldn't go that far, but go ahead. I'm just I want to go like take a step back further, you know. Like Khalil Mack is arguably the best player in the NFL, the best defensive player in the NFL, and he was drafted at number five. So just just between the two, I mean, like there's really, you know, like there's no, it's not apples to apples or oranges to apples even. But when people are freaking out about draft position, you can't tell me that it is the sole reason for success. Like, there has been a successful player drafted at every single spot in the first round. True. I would be willing to say that there's been a successful NFL player drafted at every single spot in the first three rounds. So, it's not even, you know, it it has nothing to do with your draft position. It has 100% to do with actually hitting on the player. True. Just so you guys know, all you Tank fans... And all those people that are upset that the Dolphins aren't drafted number one or two or three, your Lord and Savior, Dan Marino, was drafted number 27. So, I don't know what that means. I think you do know what it means. (laughs) It means that I'm proving my point that draft position doesn't matter. Yep. And we just want to remind you that it is the firm belief of this podcast that Dan Marino ruined the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Definitely did. Everybody's still trying to find the next Marino, right? But you don't want anybody to be as good as him? Yeah. Weird. But, okay. So we got one game left. Let's just talk a little bit more about these Dolphins before we get out of here. So we got one game left against the Patriots. If the Dolphins win, there's a very high chance that the Patriots will miss a first-round bye and potentially get the fourth seed. And if I remember the last time that that happened, when the Patriots played the Dolphins Week 17, the Dolphins won. They paved the way to the Broncos getting home field advantage. Peyton Manning ended up winning the Super Bowl in his final season. I'd like to counterpoint by saying (laughs) the, the Dolphins played them in Miami that year. They did. It's a true statement. So. We don't play good in Foxborough. We no, haven't. Nobody does. Ever. Except the Chiefs. Except the Chiefs. But they're like, they're definitely an exception to the rule. And a good part of that is probably com hacking. I don't know. It's the Patriots. They probably do some weird shit. Mm, yeah. You know what would be really awesome? Is if a team just leaked all of their plays to the Patriots, but it was like a fake playbook. That'd be cool, but I feel like I feel like they wouldn't fall for it. You don't think so? Plus, I feel like there's enough roster turno- turnover in the league that somehow, some way, the Patriots still get the information that they need. Like just because they always pick up those practice squad players, you know. Mm-hmm. So like, with them doing that. There's the whole, um, like, hey, how were you doing it when you were in blank, like Nashville, for example, or whatever. And then they'd be like, oh, we did it like this. And they're not going to say, no, I'm not going to tell you that because that's kind of wrong because, you know, they want to have the job. Didn't Eric Weddle do that with the Rams? Because he plays for the Rams now, right? Eric Weddle does. The I last so. played for the Ravens. So, like, they asked him, you know, like, hey, what do the Ravens do? And he was like, that's none of my business and none of your business either. Which, well, Eric Weddle's a stand-up guy anyway, but, I mean, 
circumstantially. Practice, practice squad player that might be making the NFL or not. Yeah, I guess right. a little bit there to it. But. Plus, you know, the Patriots might be like, oh, yeah, we're also sending you to a massage parlor, and now they got evidence on you. So it's kind of like blackmail, probably. Gotcha. <laughs> so in reality, do you honestly believe that the Dolphins stand a chance this week? I think there's always a chance, but I don't think it's a good chance. Nothing would make me happier than Tom Brady throwing three interceptions in the season finale in Foxborough. It'd be, It'd be great if it was to Nick Needham too, like all three of them. <laughs> Nick Needham and Steven Parker. Yeah, that'd Eric be fantastic. One too. What was that? <laughs> Eric Rowe could grab one too. That'd also be pretty cool, you know, the kind of whole, like, hey, you guys let me go. Now I'm going to make you pay for it. I wonder if, cool. I, it's got to be out there somewhere, but I wonder if anybody has like coach's record of Belichick's coaching tree versus Belichick. Like it's has, pretty low, I think. So like McDaniels never beat him when he coached for the Broncos or like has um Patricia beat him at all. Patricia like, beat him last year. It was a big upset. And yeah, that's but it was like part week, of the reason it was why like we were so one, cocky. Right? Week one or week two. Yeah. It was early in the season for sure. Yeah, and then then we shit the bed, and after our awesome three and zero start, and we were leading the division, and we were all cocky about it. After oh, we had yeah. the longest game in NFL history, that's right. I still can't. All right, well, I still ahead. can't believe how bizarre like that. Not not the twenty not the yeah not the twenty eighteen season, but the twenty seventeen season was. It was pretty crazy. Yeah. I'll take it. Or that dude went AWOL and Lawrence Timmons. Coach Nor- yeah. Coach snorting drugs and <laughs> sending the video Sweet. to a prostitute in Las Vegas. Dolphins always gotta find something to be excited about. The hurricane, how we had the had they had to move we their game the and lost the bye, yeah. Man, that's actually bad. It did. Oh well, it is yeah. what it is. All right, well, uh, we'll sign off with this. Our charity of the week is going to be the Wounded Warriors Project. I'm sure that everybody's here to at least heard about them a little bit. Haggy, you got some stats on these guys? Nope, I don't have any stats on them. Um, but I do have this stat. We've been at war for like 18 years now, so... Uh, the Wounded Warrior Project helps those that were wounded in combat and otherwise um, get the resources available to help them make their lives better. Um, whether it's mental health services or like physical services. So go support those guys and uh, hopefully we'll, uh, we'll stop with these interventionist wars at some point. Hopefully or- soon. Or maybe not. I don't know. We'll see who, yeah. who gets elected. Oh, yeah. We'll see. But this is not a political podcast. so No, it's not. But All right, everybody. Thanks for listening to Midwestern Fins. This is like episode 17, right? Ryan Tannehill episode? I think so. Man. Gotta love him. 
All right. Well, if you guys got a, if you guys got any sweet ideas, find us on Twitter at Midwestern Fins. Tweet me at Ballard seventy eight or at Matt Hagler underscore Matt on Twitter. You'll find us. We'll keep going and hopefully see you next week. Sounds good. And we've been also discussing the possibility of a live show where you, as the callers, can or as the listeners can call in if you guys have an interest that are listening. Like shout us out, and we'll work more towards uh, getting that rolling. Yeah, I like it. All right. Well, thanks for listening. We'll see you guys later. Or talk to you guys later.